Hello everyone and welcome back to the History of Middle Earth podcast where we dive deep into the history of the people and places of Middle Earth. I'm Phil and I'm also very excited for today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Lane Smith from an unexpected podcast. As per our usual, to start us off, we are going to go over the upcoming weeks in Middle-Earth history. Today, when I'm recording this, is December 19th, which is also when The Fellowship of the Ring was released in theaters in 2001. Thursday, in the year 3019, Bag End is restored to its former glory after the scouring of the Shire. The following day, the 21st, is when the Shire was finished being restored as a whole. December 25th is when the Fellowship leaves Rivendell in the early morning, right at dusk. Jumping ahead a little bit, January 8th is when the company reaches Holland, which is a small ridge with a bunch of open lands uh, leading to Caradhras, which is where they end up reaching on January 10th. The 13th is when they are attacked by wolves, they reach the Mines of Moria West Gate that night, and that is where Gollum begins to really trail Frodo, and Frodo takes notice that he is also being followed. Last day we'll cover, January 15th, is the Bridge of Khazad-dûm and the fall of Gandalf from the Belrog, and that evening is when the company reaches Nimrodil. Alright, so now on to our main topic. This episode I'm super excited for, and I know there's a lot of you that have been waiting for this particular episode. So, without further ado, here we go. Aragorn was born March 1st of TA 2931, and was the last in a long, unbroken line that stretched back to a seal door the last king of Gondor, and was the 16th chieftain of the Dúnedain Rangers of the North. And the chieftain ranks was reserved specifically for those who were a part of the royal bloodline. Just a fun fact for you. Aragorn's grandmother, Ivorwin, noted with foresight that Aragorn would one day wear on his breast a green stone. A legend says that the wizard Gandalf had brought the stone from Valinor, He gave the Elisar to the elven lady Galadriel, and remarked prophetically that she would pass it to another, who will also be called Elisar. From this would come his royal name, Elisar, Quenya, or Elfstone, and he would be a healer and a renewer. Aragorn's father was killed by getting shot with an arrow through his eye when Aragorn was only two years old, so his mother, Gilrain, renamed him to Estelle meaning hope, in order to help conceal his identity from those looking to end the line of kings. She then took Aragorn to Rivendell, as was the tradition of their people, where he was raised by Elrond himself. Once Aragorn turned 21 and returned from a journey with Eladon and Elrahir, Elrond revealed his true name and identity to him. He then gave him the heirlooms of the royal line, which included the Ring of Barahir and the Shards of Narsil. With Elrond's guidance, Aragorn became wise beyond his years. 
Aragorn then fell in love with Arwen, who had just returned from Lorien, where her mother and also her grandmother, Galadriel, were originally from. He grew a strong love of old lore as well, and it is said that his ranger tracking abilities were also some of the most refined in all of Middle-earth. Aragorn also used the name Throngil, a name used when fighting many wars against the armies of Mordor, including when he fought with Theoden's father Thengel and Denethor's father Ecthelion. My uncle told me a strange thing. He said that you rode to war with Thengel, my grandfather, but he must be mistaken. King Theoden has a good memory. He was only a small child at the time. Then you must be at least 60. Huh. 70? You cannot be 80. 87. You are one of the Dunedain. A descendant of Numenor, blessed with long life. It was said that your race had passed into legend. There are few of us left. The Northern Kingdom was destroyed long ago. I'm sorry. Please eat. In the year 3001, as a now revealed Sauron continued to regain power in Mordor, Aragorn began assisting Gandalf in his search for the news of Gollum. Gandalf suspected that the ring Bilbo Baggins found near Gollum's lake was in fact the One Ring. In TEA 3007, he briefly returned to Eriador, where he visited his mother for the last time. She died before that year's spring. In 3017, after searching intermittently over the years, Aragorn finally overtook Gollum in the Dead Marshes on the 1st of February. With Gollum, he traveled through the northern Emin Muil to prevent being found by Sauron's spies, and crossed the Anduin at the Sarn Gabir. He traveled further north along the edges of Fangorn Forest and through Lothlorien, where the elves sent a message to Gandalf. He traveled alongside the Anduin to the north until he arrived at the Karak. With the aid of the Bayornings, he crossed the Anduin with Gollum and entered Mirkwood. He took Gollum to Thranduil to be held captive. He then returned west, where he met with Gandalf at, Sa at Sarn Ford and learned of Frodo Baggins's place to leave the Shire, plan to leave the Shire with the ring in late September. Aragorn then continued his own journey. Aragorn's main objective was to lead his team of rangers in protecting the men of Bree and the hobbits that lived in the Shire, thanks to Gandalf's guidance. This is why the men of Bree felt safe enough not to have to carry their weapons all the time, and why he was seen around Bree often during his time relaxing. From TA 2957 to 2980, Aragorn took great journeys serving the armies of King Thengel of Rohan and the steward Ecthelion II of Gondor. Many of his tasks weakened Sauron and his allies, which during the War of the Ring helped the West survive. His name in Gondor and Rohan was Throngil. Sindarin for Eagle of the Star, and became one of Ecthelion II's most important advisors. He warned Ecthelion of the Corsairs of Umbar, 
who threatened the southern fiefs and was eventually allowed by Felion to attack Umbar. He led a surprise attack on the havens of Umbar with a few Gondorian ships, destroying many of their ships and slaying its lord with only a few casualties. After his return to Pelargir, he crossed the Anduin and left Gondor to travel into the far east and south, exploring the hearts of men, good and evil, and learning about the plots and devices of the servants of the Dark Lord. Later in 2980, he visited Lorien, and there once again met Arwen. He gave her heirloom of his house, the Ring of Barahir, and on the hill of Cairn Amroth, Arwen pledged her hand to him in marriage, renouncing her elvish lineage and accepting the gift of men, death. Elrond withheld from Aragorn permission to marry his daughter until such a time as his foster son should be king of both Gondor and Arnor. As both Elrond and, Ar- and Aragorn knew, to marry a mortal, Arwen would be required to choose mortality, and thus depriving the deathless Elrond of his daughter while the world lasted. After some time, Aragorn ran into the hobbits at Bree and rescued them from their pursuers, the Nazgul. He then led them to Rivendell with the help of Glorfindel. After joining the Fellowship of the Ring, he then helped lead them on their quest to Mordor. After the Council of Elrond, Aragorn became a member of the Fellowship of the Ring. As a preparation for his travel, the ancient shards of Narsil, the heirloom of his house, were reforged after three millennia. Anduril, a flame of the west, forged from the shards of Narsil. Aragorn carried the sword reforged and was renamed Anduril. Aragorn's intentions were to travel with the company for a while before returning to Gondor with Boromir. Aragorn encouraged the taking of the Redhorn Pass, which ended in disaster. He reluctantly conceded to Gandalf's choice to pass through Moria, though his sense of foresight warned him for Gandalf. Indeed, after Gandalf fell into the abyss with Durin's bane, Aragorn was naturally elected leader of the company, despite some resentment by Boromir. Aragorn again 
amazed the rest of the fellowship by his apparent closeness to the people of Lothlorien and his friendship with Celeborn and Galadriel. At their departure, Galadriel offered him the elf stone as a wedding gift from the family of the elven bride to the groom, foretelling his marriage to Arwen. It was worn by Aragorn ever after, and from that, he later took the name Elisar. After Frodo escaped him and Boromir perished, he, with the remaining members of the Fellowship, namely Wynnewas and Gimli, chose to try and save Merry and Pippin from the Urukai that had ambushed them, forming the group that would later become known as the Three Hunters. He met Eowyn in the fields of Rohan, and an instant friendship formed, both feeling the honesty and lordliness of the other, both feeling the honesty and lordliness of the other. Eomer took a risk for his sake, giving him horses, with the promise that one day soon, Aragorn would return to Edoras. Aragorn, tracking the hobbits, followed into Fangorn Forest, where he met the resurrected Gandalf the White. After the restoration of Theoden, he rode to Helm's Deep to fight the Battle of the Hornburg. There he, alongside his new-found brother, quote-unquote, Eomer, and King Theoden marshaled the defense against Saruman's army. His revealed majesty upon the battlements of the Hornburg, as he waited for the dawn, caused some of the wild men to pause and shudder, and he heralded the return of Gandalf with Urgenbrand. A little while later, Aragorn took his, com- his companions and his rangers and set out for Dunharrow, departing from the king's company. His course was clear, to take the paths of the dead. To summon the dead men. Fight for us and regain your honor. What say you? What say you? I am Isildur Fight for me. And I will hold your oaths fulfilled. What say you? Dunharrow, he met the lady Eowyn, who had fallen in love with him. After making it clear that he could not accept her love, he turned towards the evil road with the dawn. The great company passed through the dark door and the Dwemerberg, the dead following, and coming at last to the stone of Eric, Aragorn summoned them to his aid. They drew their swords and blew their horns in answer and swept down upon the corsairs of Pelargir driving the mariners away. Aragorn released them and took the black ships north to Minas Tirith, where the Battle of the Pelennor Fields raged on. The standard of Elendil broke forth and his Dunedain swept down, giving the final blow to the army of Gothmog. The counterattacked army of Sauron crumbled utterly, but Aragorn did not enter the city. Aragorn, furling his banner, 
appointed Imrahil, the temporary, temporary lord of the city, as the law demanded. Imrahil, being the prince of Dol Amroth, was by law second in command, with Faramir being third in line for the throne. Eventually, however, Aragorn did go to the Houses of Healing, where he tended and restored Mary, Eowyn, and Faramir, in accordance with the prophecy, quote, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known, end quote. Aragorn then left the city, hooded and cloaked, and yet the people of Minas Tirith followed him, for they had heard rumors. Yet, when in the morning they saw the banner of Dol Amroth, they wondered if the return of the king had been but a dream. Aragorn held counsel with his trusted companions, namely Gandalf, Aelmer, Imrahil, and Elrond's sons, since Halbrad had fallen in battle. He agreed to draw forth the forces of Mordor for the benefit of the quest of the ring, and so arranged matters for the Battle of the Morannon. After the destruction of the ring in Orodruin, more commonly known as Mount Doom, and victory at the Morannon, Aragorn returned at last in the triumphant manner that befitted his position. He was crowned at the gates of Minas Tirith, winning the hearts of the people of Gondor. Aragorn ruled the re reunited kingdom of Gondor and Arnor until year 120 of the Fourth Age. Some days after his coronation, Gandalf took Elisar up the slopes of Mount Mindaluin, and there he found the scion of Nimloth the symbol of his mastery of the reunited kingdom. Elrond and Arwen came to Gondor, and Elrond gave Elisar the scepter of Anumanas, signifying the kingship of Arnor. He wedded Arwen on Midsummer's Day of 3019, and then was forced to bid his old friends farewell. He turned back to his new kingdom as the Fourth Age dawned, and the ringbearers left the shores of Middle-earth forever. One of his first tasks in the reordering of his realm was a restoration of Orthanc and ordered the Orthanc stone to be returned there. With this opportunity, many secrets and hoarded treasures were revealed, including the Elendil mirror, which Saruman took from Isildur's body. Elisar received the Elendil mirror with reverence and took it with him as he established his full kingship of Arnor. Elisar gave his steward Faramir the title Lord of Emin Arnon and created him as Prince of Ithilien. He declared the Druidan forest to belong to the Druidane and a protected enclave of his kingdom. He also reestablished the Great Council of Gondor, whose chief counselor was the steward, Faramir. He also renewed the oath Curian with Aomer. As for the Shire, he declared it a free land under the protection of the Northern Scepter and forbid men from entering it. He appointed the Thane, the Master of Buckland, and the Mayor of Mickledelving Councillors of the Northern Kingdom. He also offered the Shire the lands up to the Emin Braid. He founded the Royal Houses of Telkantar. He had a son and a number of daughters. King Elisar died after 210 years of life and 122 years of rule and was succeeded by his son, Eldarion. His wife, Arwen, now mortal, gave up her life shortly afterwards in year 121 of the Fourth Age, making her 2,901 years old when she died. 
Aragorn used a variety of weapons. Like any ranger, they were expected to have a basic proficiency in nearly anything they would be able to get their hands on. Aragorn's primary weapon was his beautiful five-foot longsword, four feet of that being the blade. More so than the average man, he uses acute sense of balance and his hand-eye coordination to outmaneuver his opponents, using their own strength against them. His large hand and a half-sword allowed for devastating one- or two-handed blows with his lightning-fast counterattacks. His sword sheath had a small utility knife wrapped it to it that he used for everyday tasks like skinning animals, cutting wood and twine, and other small things. He also carried a shortbow that was stained very dark and measured three feet long. It doubled as both an offensive weapon and for just hunting food in the wild. Its design was not composite, but more of a smaller version of the standard Gondorian longbow. The bow was left unstrung when not in use to preserve its lifetime as well. Because of the smaller size, and that the arrows were only about 20 inches long, the bow could not be fully drawn back, giving it an effective range of only about 75 yards, which was enough for most rangers to use effectively anyway. Aragorn was gifted a large hunting knife from Celeborn. It had a dark oak handle with brass pommel and large curved blade with ornate engravings. It was inscribed in Sindarin, saying, Good Dead Heloth, which translates to Foe of Morgoth's Realm. He kept it in a leather scabbard with small brass locket, either on his right side or across his back. Depending on his foes, Aragorn would dual wield the knife and the sword to take down his opponents quicker. Aragorn eventually used Enderil, forged from the shards of Narsil, as his primary weapon once the shards had been reforged. Enderil, meaning flame or brilliant light of the west in Quenya. Elrond oversaw the reforging, as the blacksmiths of Rivendell took it on took on the task to reforge the one's great sword. Once Elrond presented Aragorn with the newly forged or reforged sword, he left Aragorn with the idea to use it to summon the army of the dead in order to help secure their victory at Gondor. Enderil was the same in every way as Narsil, minus the newly inscribed runes on the blade. The runes appeared on both sides and were written, written in, in Quenya using the runes of Regian, which also matched the belt Andoril was worn with. These were then shrouded by stylized symbols of the sun, detailed in enamel near the hilt, and the moon, engraved at the narrowest terminus of the fuller, and were interspersed at regular interval, intervals by seven symbolic stars. The stars represented Elendil, who died in combat while wielding the sword. The sun and the moon represented his sons, Anarion and Isildur, respectively. The runes translated to, I am Enderil, who was Narsil, the sword of Elendil. Let the thralls of Mordor flee me. Aragorn's armor varied a lot depending on the time. Rangers didn't like heavy armor because of all the extra weight, and it wasn't necessary when using stealth as your main tactic, not to mention it made a lot more noise when moving. He wore a fine linen shirt that was most likely from Rivendell. He also wore black woolen hose and a soft, tall leather boots. He wore a long leather sleeveless jerkin over the shirt, which was secured with small braided ties in the front. 
Lastly, over this, he wore a thicker, tougher leather coat that draped down low. He had a black cloak that was rolled up and worn across his body along with his quiver when not in use. During the Battle of Helm's Deep, he dropped the coat and left his sleeveless vest on, but added a layer of chainmail underneath. After this, he returned to his normal setup until he retook the throne. Before the Battle of the Black Gate, Aragorn adorned his kingly battle armor. He kept his black hose, but changed his shirt for a red linen shirt smocked with corded leather braid. The soft boots were traded for heavier black boots, fitted with steel plates engraved with seabird wings that protected the top of the foot along with steel greaves. He also wore a full skirt of mail that was belted to his waist and layered a shirt of mail that tightened with leather points. Fitted to this were pauldrons made from steel and boiled leather edged in gold and engraved with Gondorian motifs and feathers, and leather rebraces fashioned to resemble the winged crown and the seven stars of the king. Boromir's vambraces then completed the armed protection. Over all this, worn a rich red velvet sleeveless robe, edged in gold and fitted with three silver buttons engraved with a star. Finally, his final robe of dark blue leather edged in gold and fastened with silver clasps. The robe bore the tree of Gondor in silver with the seven stars across the top. A fine black cloak completed the outfit and was attached by two silver brooches. There was always a shield at the ready had King Aragorn ever wanted one. It was closer in shape to the Numenorean shields with wood covered in black leather and edged and embossed in bronze with the large tree of Gondor, seven stars, and winged crown, which was the king's symbol. So there you have it, the history of Aragorn, the king of Gondor. No listener questions this week, which also reminds me to say that outside of if you have any questions, to send them in, of course, you can also just send in any cool Lord of the Rings stories you have, if you got to meet any of the people, if you have any memorabilia from the movies you want to talk about, or I don't know, anything you just feel like sharing that's Lord of the Rings related, feel free to send it in. If you do want more content, feel free to follow our Facebook page, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. We have some content there that won't make it onto the podcast until later on. So if you are looking for someone or someplace in particular, check out there as well, because we may have done it already. Everything on the page will, of course, eventually be on the podcast. We are just going starting from the beginning with the podcast. Awesome news. Our Facebook group is working again. So the like 20 people that were stuck in group joining limbo, I guess, um, are all now admitted to the group. Everyone who's been sending in a join request since then has been able to get approved. I don't know what happened. I ended up just making a whole new group and was going to have everyone just join that one instead and then delete the old one. And then in the middle of all that process, everything just started working again for whatever reason. So yeah, if you... Feel free to join our Facebook group now, History of Middle-Earth Podcast, and you can talk, you can chat and share anything you feel like in that group. 
appropriate, of course. We are on Instagram as well, History of Middle Earth Pod. You can follow me at PSIDL90 on Instagram. Our main website, which you there is a link to from our Facebook page, is ministiritharchives.com. That is where all of our posts are, where they go to instantly as soon as they are done. They're automatically published to that page. You can find our Etsy store there and just a little about section and a place to send in questions or stories or whatever you want. And lastly, we also have a Discord page where you can chat with me while I get everything together and listen to the live recording and hear me fumble over the most simple sentences three times over and laugh at me, which is totally allowed. Anyway, that is all for this week's episode. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Let us know how we did. If you have a complaint or advice, it would be much appreciated if you give me time to fix it or have any ideas of things you want added to the show that you think might be cool. Definitely let me know and I will see what I can do about getting it in. And just for a quick reminder, our email is ministereatharchives at gmail.com, ministereatharchives at gmail.com, or you can send a message to our Facebook page or go to our website, ministereatharchives.com, and go to the Contact Us tab. So send in your questions and or stories if you want them read. Don't forget to swing over to an unexpected podcast and leave an awesome review for Ez and Lane and give those guys a follow as well. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you back next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle Earth podcast. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West!